resourcing and pleasure, resourcing and goodness is what actually brings your nervous system back into the state where you are your most highly functional, most highly creative, most highly productive. And that is a state that we want our leaders to be in to create change. That's the voice of Anne Nguyen. She's a Vietnamese-American women's sexual empowerment and leadership coach. She has been my coach. And if you've done any self-acupressure training or explored the connection between our emotional and our physical health through the five elements of Chinese medicine, then you have probably felt Anne's influence in how I so admire your miraculous body, in how I have come to really view our bodies through the eyes of love, truly, and to see us as miracles of nature. Working with Anne has been a big part of why I can offer the teaching that I offer and produce things like this podcast. I have a great many privileges and blessings as well, which are absolutely part of why I can do what I do. But even with all of those I didn't have the same sense of vitality and connection to aliveness before I worked with Anne that I do now. So I've been very excited to have Anne on the show and I'm bringing her on because not only is part of what she does trauma resolution, which is a huge piece of personal and global healing, but also she cultivates this deepened connection to love itself and this thrumming, radiant kind of vitality that is there for all of us potentially. I did click the little E for explicit on this conversation, though in my opinion, it isn't very explicit. We do cover some themes that you might decide are not for you or for the ears of the little ones who are hanging around with you right now. You will hear Anne say the word pussy and you'll hear our general enthusiasm about erotic aliveness. So if that sounds great to you, listen on. And if not, no hard feelings. You can catch the next one. If you're going to listen, I hope you'll really enjoy hearing us talk about desire as something that can be regenerative and supportive of life, not necessarily desire as something that is consumeristic and destructive, and how connecting to this depth of satisfaction that's available to us makes us so much less likely to be consumeristic or extractive. We talk about resourcing ourselves in goodness and pleasure in the midst of dealing with past and present trauma, which is a way to prevent activist and leadership burnout. You'll hear about how and why Anne holds coaching containers devoted to women of color and a little invitation from Anne about how you might connect to some of these energies in your own life and your own body. After you listen, come leave a comment on the show notes at turningseason.com slash episode nine. Let me know what you think, what comes up for you when you listen to this, how you feel about these connections. And I will also include links in the show notes to Adrienne Marie Brown's books, Pleasure Activism and Emergent Strategy, which Anne mentions, and Regina Tomashauer's book, Pussy, a Reclamation, which is a huge influence in Anne's work and a lot of the work in this field that's going on right now. So if you want to dive deeper into the interconnections between pleasure, sensuality, community, and shifting into a life-sustaining society for all, the great turning, 
those are a few good places to look. And if you decide to buy them through the links in the show notes or by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash turning season, then you will also support the podcast. All right. Enjoy this conversation with Anne Nguyen. You're listening to Turning Season Podcast. I'm your host, Leilani Navar, here with your dedicated dose of active hope. I'm delighted to bring you these conversations with the inspired individuals who are collectively shifting us to a life-sustaining society. You'll hear from all kinds of healers and change makers playing their unique part in the great turning. From healing personal trauma to visionary thinking, decolonization to building composting toilets, new innovations to bridging social divides, there are thousands of reasons and ways to participate. Keep listening to find out more of what's being done already and what's possible. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and come to turningseason.com to connect. My guest today is Anne Nguyen. Anne is a Vietnamese American women's sexual empowerment and leadership coach. Her work centers on pleasure as a liberatory practice and fuel for personal empowerment. She teaches women how to love their bodies, to see sexuality as sacred, and how to channel orgasmic pleasure into better relationships, career, leadership, and self-love. Through her coaching and online programs, she reconnects women to the power of their sexuality and facilitates deep transformation for sexual reclamation. And most of all, she's here to make our modern day sexual revolution fun and accessible to all. And I know it's going to be so much fun to talk to her today because it always is. Thank you so much for coming to talk with me, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I would love to dive right into getting to know you a little bit better through these questions from the work that reconnects. And we probably have a hint of it already from your bio, but I'll invite you to finish this sentence. Some things I love about being alive on earth are the abundance of arrows and beauty and creativity that flows through the natural world. (laughs) Mm, Yum. (laughs) (laughs) And what about this one? When I look around at what's happening in the world, what breaks my heart is our disconnection from our hearts and the earth and one another and the lack of tools to be able to find ourselves back to love. Mm -hmm. Or I wouldn't say lack of, but how not readily they are available in our common culture. (laughs) Yeah. Do you feel like Do you feel like that, well, maybe both of those really, that love of the beauty and Eros and that heartbreak about disconnection have led you into what you're called to do? Yes, absolutely. 100%. (laughs) I think that beauty and the love and the Eros has always been sort of that um, idealistic, but maybe hedonistic part of me. And I think that when I shifted honestly a lot of this came through black feminist thought leadership 
um, like Audre Lorde and, you know, Bell Hooks and Adrian Marie Brown, mm-hmm. um, being able to see how the love of sensuality or beauty or art or creativity directly impacts the fabric of our society, even the way our political structures work, how we unite um, with one another in community and in relationship with one another. And those two became connected for me. It was like something really, really clicked. And so it is a big foundation of my work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting into reading um, Pleasure Activism and so that that's by Adrienne Marie Brown, and she references Audre Lorde quite a bit, as do many people, and just really starting to digest the reality of how our cutoff from our sensual natures and our the shame and judgment around it cuts us off from so much else. I mean, that alone is heartbreaking, but it cuts us off from so much else too. Yes, yes. And I was I was thinking about this with something you had shared about your story and early on focusing on a partner's pleasure and not really being in touch with what do I really want? You know, mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking about how on that, on that body level, on that deep knowing, if we're not in touch with what's a yes and what's a no, it can get so deranged out in the world. Like I've heard this said about men who are cut off from their feelings, right? Their emotions, they don't recognize that they don't necessarily feel the way that their business decision, let's say, is going to impact the world. Mm -hmm. That's a really general statement. But you know, when we cut off from our emotions, we're not going to feel it. And I think the same with that body level, yes and no, like that open pit mine is a no, I feel it in my body. That family freezing in a refugee camp is a no, I, I'm not okay with that, you know, and mm-hmm. buying something beautiful from somebody who made it with their own two hands is a yes. Like, I don't know. Do you feel that same kind of, I know what I want and what feels right and what doesn't feel right playing out outside of the, the realm of sexual empowerment too, since you've been on this journey? Yeah. Oh, a thousand percent. And I would say that is what led me into sexual empowerment. You know, I think in my body, feeling the way that I existed as someone with a pussy and someone who holds the identities that I do, and just always feeling like there's all of this is a no to me. Like, this is wrong. There's something messed up about it. And I think especially in the realm of sex, but, you know, also in the realm of ecology and climate and all of those things, it's like this collective spell that we're under where we are essentially desensitized to the point where we can't feel those yeses or nos or like, oh, the fact that women orgasm way, 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 way less. And most of them don't even know how to do that (laughs) or a lot of them. Um, feel like they don't know how to do that or access that like that's a no for me that feels wrong in my body mm-hmm. yeah um, and so I think yeah it was definitely like a huge thing that led me to the work in the first place mm-hmm. so I want to I want to ask you too as we're kind of opening up all the all the paths we might walk down here about the the three stories of our time because you've already been speaking to 
climate and ecology and social systems and everything. Um, a lot of people who are listening and a lot of the other guests I've had have been coming from this angle of ecology and climate and kind of how do we create a life-sustaining society. And to me, you know, I mean, I know that you, you feel these things and you love flowers and being among the trees and, you know, you're connected to it as well. And really the deep reason, reason that I wanted to have you in this conversation is that that personal healing and bringing back kind of re reconnecting with uh, being sensual and being satisfiable by like our innate, um, our innate desires and our innate uh, natural satisfactions, you know, as opposed to like consumerism and just really on a personal level, if you can love yourself and be satisfied, you can be so much more available to a collective healing. So anyway, just to give that context of why this, to me, your work is so much a part of the great turning. Like mm -hmm. we have to do this. Um, so that's kind of my, <laughs> my lens on it, but I want to, I want to hear from you about how you see your work in all of this and your role and, and even just your personal way of living among these three stories that we say are happening um, all at once right now. So the first story is business as usual, business as usual, as we've been doing it for a few centuries now, industrial and technological growth, get a job or start a business. We'll just keep chugging along, producing more. The economy's always going to grow. Maybe there's sacrifices, but we'll get by. Human ingenuity will develop new things and we'll take care of it. Carry on as we have been. And then the second story is the great unraveling, which is a heartbreaking, enraging story that everything is falling apart. It's all the ecological and social crises that we're seeing right now. And we could live in that story, like that's what's happening to humanity. And then there's a third story, which is the great turning, where we're, we're making this shift to a life-sustaining society in all the ways that that means. So yeah, I want to turn that all over to you. Where, what do you think about the three stories and where do you find yourself living in one of them or all of them? Yeah, well, I mean, I think just existing on the planet, you know, in the U.S. Uh, where I'm located, we're definitely in that first story. So I think that in that way, I'm immersed in it, you know, and I think that it is all of our work to notice where those programs live inside of us um, and to unravel them. Like one of the pieces that you mentioned that is part of this first story is sort of more and more and more, no matter what the cost and feeling like technology or ingenuity will somehow fix um, any of the costs or the um, impact uh, or harm that we're creating um, in the future. And I think that pleasure connects to this piece, pleasure, sensuality, getting connected to our erotic nature relates to this sort of first story as an antidote in the sense of it's when you're deep in your sensuality, when you're deep in your erotic nature, when you're actually 
awake to how it's available to you in every moment and in everything around you, like we talked about from the flowers to the plants, to the texture of the pillows that are already in your home, the feeling and the warmth of your own skin, it drops you into, actually you said it, a saturation, a fullness, an enoughness Mm. that I think really helps to counter that constant hunger for more, more, more in a destructive way versus in a regenerative way because the erotic and sex and creativity is naturally regenerative, right? It is how life is birthed and continued, um, but from a different energy, from sort of a different starting point of of fullness rather than lack, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I love that notion of desire for more can be regenerative. Desire for more doesn't have to be destructive. But yeah. like, yeah, we've got desire and we love it, but we don't have to desire in a destructive <laughs> way. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then, you know, the great turning obviously lights me up. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I am here to co-create with beautiful humans like you. And I think that there's a couple of pieces. So one of them, we were talking about this before we officially started recording is When you learn to love yourself and your body and therefore be able to recognize like the love and the beauty of other bodies, as well as how to deeply connect with one another, right? Because sex, working on your sexuality, working on your pleasure, it's about feeling yourself, but it's also opening yourself up to deeper, more loving, more spiritually satisfying connections with other people, that is a foundation of a strong community. Mm-hmm. That is the building block of that coming into togetherness. So actually another kind of maybe like that first stage story that you were talking about that we're living in is also a lack around um, the abundance of love and sexuality and pleasure that we have in the world. It's this false paradigm that we think that love or great sex or, you know, feeling ourselves as beautiful is something that's scarce in our world. And that actually leads to that conflict of like extraction, even of like rape culture, of misogyny, all of those things. And so when we learn how to heal that, we obviously come together in such greater ways, right? We activate one another's brilliance more. Um, and we also feed into that um, kind of like one of the fundamental building blocks of a thriving society and ecology is diversity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And so when we are awakening self-love among all of us, that means that people who have been maybe traditionally marginalized or voices that haven't been heard activate and are heard more and add to that diversity that I think brings forward the thought leadership that we need to heal on all the levels, political and ecological. So that was kind of meta. (laughs) But yeah, it was awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other part that is sort of more in that realm of the like eco sexuality, which for me is being like in an erotic, um, orgasmic, loving <laughs> relationship with nature as our guide is the other piece. And I think that there's actually so much to be learned from um, nature in the sense of it it functions through beauty. It functions through this balance. I think Eckhart Tolle wrote it in A New Earth. It was actually, I think, the first page of the book. He talks about how flowers are the enlightenment of plants, mm. right? Like there's so much sensuality. There's so much eros of like pollination and the bees and the birds. And I think that sexual healing and getting in touch with, let's say, our orgasmic power, the sensations inside of our bodies, accessing all of that actually connects us much more deeply into our animal bodies, into our primal nature. And I feel like when humans as a whole reclaim their natural place as animals and part of this ecosystem, that is also a huge contribution to the ecological climate change that we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's, that's delicious too. (laughs) I actually didn't know the term (laughs) eco-sexuality until you said that, but that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like imagine if our whole world was like, oh my God, nature. Yes. solved climate change through that kind of energy right totally oh my gosh and that's the thing about this like that it's there's the the kind of I don't know if serious is the word but the the more grounded feeling of like wow this is all so sacred you know and and that how that brings out I think you were kind of speaking to this when you said the how misogyny and rape culture have this connection with an extractive culture. Mm -hmm. Like we just, you don't do that to something that you see as sacred, you know, but then there's this other level of like, well, what about when we're in love with it? And it's not just respect. It's actually this rapturous loving experience. You definitely don't destroy something you feel that way about, you know, you want to connect with it as much as possible and protect it when necessary, but also I mean, what would we open up to if we weren't even thinking about it in terms of how do we respect and protect, but how do we, everything you just said, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is another big theme of my work and just in general that I think is cool to bring into these other areas like our climate. It's sort of that moving from surviving to thriving. Mm-hmm. Like Mm -hmm. what would, you know, not just a healed planet look like, but like a thriving planet, like a super turned on (laughs) planet. (laughs) Yes. Like let's, let's go for (laughs) something that is exciting and yummy and not just like, okay, phew, we're safe now. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to, I want to go back to what you were, you mentioned like voices that have been marginalized and how diversity is a part of thriving. And I know that you especially hold space for women of color and you have some women of color only group coaching containers. And 
I'd love to hear what that means for you, like why and how you're focusing on supporting women of color. Yeah, I think for me, it was really born out of that seeing the current story and wanting to create the great turning and also very connected to that surviving versus thriving mentality. So I created the Women of Color Only group during 2020, where a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests were at a peak. Um, And I just really felt how we were connecting to one another through our struggle. And that's important, I think, to be seen, to be understood, to be known in what a lot of us felt like was an invisible pain that we couldn't name for a long time until a lot of these things started coming more into our common culture um, is important. But what also felt important to me was the experience of just entering into a room where you essentially don't have to white-splain your struggle to anybody. Everyone in the room inherently gets it. You don't have to fight to be understood. And most importantly for me, I wanted to create a container where we could connect to one another through our thriving. Mm -hmm. Seeing one of another, not through this sort of victim mentality, not through this like, you know, layers of um, whatever society has put on on us and our multiple identities and to just see each other for our power, for our pleasure, for our joy, and to know that it's safe and beautiful to express that. And I think that whether we want to accept it or not, there just is a layer obviously of like white supremacy um, that can block people from feeling as safe as they possibly can to just walk in a room, feel understood, feel known, feel safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I also have groups for everybody. It's not that it's just, they're different kinds of medicines. They're different kinds of experiences. And that's why I have both open and you know a lot of my programs are open to everybody some are specifically for women of color and it's just holding different types of medicines and different types of experiences that's really powerful and I love how you explained it too what that what the value of that is um has what have you gotten from that I mean is it I don't know if there's any stories that you could share in kind of an anonymous way or what it's meant to you. Has anything surprised you coming out of holding women of color only spaces? I mean, just the joy. Like I can feel the entire nervous system exhale of every single participant just by being in the container, Mm. just by knowing. Because here's the thing, when you hold any marginalized identity, you are walking around the world with an armor essentially to protect or try to ward off the consequences of any forms of supremacy or systems of oppression that you know are just inherently going to be thrown at you no matter where you go. And um, so to be able to enter into a space, it's almost like, I can drop my guard. And I think what's 
fed me the most is just how natural that is. You know, if we are talking about nature, coming back to the natural state of safety, of love, of connectedness, of community, and just the way that people show up into containers like that so, so differently. And then obviously how much their brilliance and their beauty and their power gets to shine and grow um, in those spaces. And yeah, I mean, there's so much that blows me away in it, but it's also sort of the inherent way that people connect to one another and celebrate each other and really create community. Um, And I think just as a leader, the last part of it, and I think a lot of people who are listening to this will relate, you know, I felt so good and so proud about it because I alchemized my anger and my grief and what I saw wrong with the world into creation. And I got to see it right before my very eyes and live it and feel it. And it's the most fulfilling thing ever, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I celebrate that in and of itself, that you have found your way to something that feels like the most fulfilling thing ever. That's, that's the dream. Yeah. Um, so, and I yeah. celebrate all of that. I just, <laughs> I just love it. Like it gives me this like shiver of happiness that you're talking about <laughs> these, the, the joy in the room, you know, yeah. that, that like, yes, this is shaped by the existence of, um, you know, marginalized identity is a very real thing and all different kinds of identities get marginalized. And that's what leads to the need for this. But then what's coming through Mm -hmm. is so much joy. That's just, I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, it makes me think about how you've, so I know that trauma healing is a big part of what happens in your work, although you're not a therapist and that's not, I don't think how you necessarily describe what you're offering inherently in going through this process of empowerment and opening to a deeper self-love. I think you call it radical self-love. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of layers of trauma that get um, healed in that process or healing moves along. And, and you also talk about resourcing and goodness and pleasure. And that's, I feel like that's missing for so many of us who have this sense of urgency about fixing and saving and, um, you know, this before it's too late. And, and also just looking at the destruction and the pain that's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So yeah, maybe you could talk to us about resourcing and goodness and pleasure in the midst of all the past and present trauma. Yeah, this is such a beautiful question. And yeah, I think even though I don't explicitly say it, I am a trauma resolution facilitator. So I am also highly trained in that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it is I can tell. Work. <laughs> yeah. um, but in terms of resourcing and pleasure so that you don't get wiped out by your urgency to save the world, I love this question because we can actually look at it through the lens of a trauma response. So trauma can put us into a hyper state, which is essentially going way too fast 
too much speed, always going, going, going. And that's the thing that leads to a lot of activism burnout, leadership burnout, just burnout in general. And you to fight the trauma of our dying planet you can't fight trauma with trauma (laughs) you don't want to you don't want to save the world um from your trauma response is that super hard of course is there healthy activation sort of like a healthy if you look at the window of tolerance in trauma resolution which is essentially operating where your nervous system and all of you feels like present and online and healthy and good there is actually a healthy fast there's like a healthy urgency speed um But what I see over and over again, I've seen it in myself, I've seen it in almost all of my friends who want to change the world, is that they put themselves into a nervous system response of stress, of urgency, either in the hyper of, oh my God, have to do everything now, have to fight everyone, have to fight everything, or hypo, which is the collapse, the other um, end of the spectrum of a trauma response, which is like, oh my God, it's too much. I am defeated. I am deflated. You go into a freeze, right? Mm -hmm. So resourcing in pleasure, resourcing in goodness is what actually brings your nervous system back into the state where you are your most highly functional, most highly creative, most highly productive And that is a state that we want our leaders to be in to create change. Mm -hmm. And so it's so, so, so of utmost importance to me, at least, that leaders especially get super taken care of so that we're pouring from that cup of our overflow, right? Mirroring the abundance, mirroring the overflow of the earth that we want to be seeing, rather than from our depletion and our defeat and maybe you know to continue with (laughs) the the ecological sort of um, metaphors like rather than from like soil that is like completely stripped of all its nutrients yeah 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 the the image of overflow feels so real to me I mean I think maybe you're describing the same thing when you talk about being in that window of tolerance and just at a place where you, you are at your best, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're not. um, So I, I use that image too, of like in the past, particularly as a mom, I was like, I had tipped the cup over and I was smacking the bottom, like trying to get every last drop out Mm -hmm. and where I, aim to be now and spend a lot of the time and working with you was like profoundly helpful in this is a upright vessel that's being filled and overflowing. And that, um, that idea of, okay, trying to do it from this urgency and this rush or getting to the place of defeated, those both kind of feel like versions to me of, of, um, an empty cup or almost empty cup and trying Mm -hmm. to squeeze, squeeze it out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And, um, yeah. So 
Yeah. Okay. But I think I like the, the window of tolerance thing almost feels more accessible because I know there are times in life where it's like overflow is nowhere nearby. <laughs> I am not there. Yes. Yes. Things are hard, you know, mm-hmm. but if we can be in that window of tolerance as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that yeah. also can come from just feeling good. Yeah. Having more pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And just like a quick breakdown of that for people who aren't as familiar with my work, pleasure to me is anything that feels good to you and pleasure can come in so many different forms. It can be the pleasure of going out. I mean, this is one of my favorites, putting your hand on a tree and grounding your energy in, right? Actually breathing in that life-giving abundance of that tree into your body. It can be putting flowers around your house and feeling the textures of the flower petals as you walk by. It could be gently putting on like a delicious hand cream on your hands where your breath slows and your presence becomes alive and activated. Your sensuality is felt for, you know, two minutes as you rub that hand lotion into your hands. So that's what I mean by resourcing yourself in pleasure in your day-to-day work as, you know, a world-changing leader, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And something else came to mind that I wanted to speak to because I think this comes to that urgency and sort of that um, wanting to save or perhaps even martyr ourselves for the saving of the planet. And I think that that also comes from that ingrained sort of hyper-individualism Um, that we can have maybe sometimes even I think this is like a subtle shadow sometimes of people like us who do the work is like no one else is gonna do it Um, I have to save things I have to be like the one that creates it when really the models of nature and you know this is also Adrian Marie Brown and emergent strategy is the fractal nature is the community nature is a connection nature. So I think that if organizations, um, people who do this kind of work, learned more about sensuality, the erotic, um, the intimacy of relationship, it would feel less of a burden on the individual to have to save everything versus having the open hearted, like deliciousness of building community and knowing that we can do it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. And I, as you say it, I'm like, yep, I still have that. <laughs> I recognize that still, you know, mm-hmm. um, me too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have, <laughs> I have a ton of appreciation for the contribution that everybody makes, which I think is somewhere I, I wasn't like 20 years ago that I, I thought I was going to, and really should do everything, which is Mm -hmm. literally impossible not to mention, you know, just overwhelming and very, uh, I don't know, just seeing through that lens that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and although now one of my favorite things that lights me up the most is seeing people do their thing and contribute in their way and, Mm -hmm. and trust and support that we're all doing it in our way. And I still recognize that feeling of like, well, I better because no one else will. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
I'm reminded of a moment um, with you on a, on a group call where we'd done this beautiful practice about seeing ourselves through the eyes of love and seeing ourselves with the eyes with which we might look at a beautiful sunset, like as a miracle of nature. Mm. And I was so feeling it. (laughs) I was like, I am a miracle of nature. And so is she, you know, (laughs) I could see how each one of us was. And, and then when it flipped that I was like, wow, she might be looking at me as a miracle of nature. The idea that I might be being seen through those eyes was such a beautiful moment of interconnection and just, yeah, like that's, that's so much better. (laughs) That's where I want to live. Yeah. Oh, my heart just feels so full hearing you um, share your experience and yeah, just imagining if we all saw one another through those eyes, mm-hmm. what would change in our world? Yeah. Mm. Imagine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, one of the things I wanted to ask you was if you had any kind of invitation for the listeners, if they're feeling curious or inspired or in your case, turned on, what would you invite? (laughs) (laughs) What would you invite them to do any kind of, it could be anything. It doesn't have to be one of, you know, your practices, but yeah. What might someone do in the next few minutes? I would say I'm feeling called to say, go have a sensual freaking eco-sexual turned on experience with a piece of nature. Uh (laughs) So, you know, go to the nearest plant that you can touch and slow down your body, slow down your breathing. First, take it in with your sight, the colors, the textures, the patterns, the life that's flowing through it. And then I would say, touch it, really feel it, feel the texture of the wax on the leaf, the softness of the petal of the flower, the, you know, texture of the bark of the tree, and then just relax your body. A relaxed body is an open body, is a receptive body, and let that abundance of nature that is inherent inside of that plant flow into you and remind you that you are just like the plant. Mm. (laughs) That would be my um, desire for everyone to do. (laughs) Love it. Feel free to back that up and play that again, everybody. Let Anne guide you through that. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then feel the wind on your skin, hearing, listen to the sound of the environment, any neighborhood dogs or birds or (laughs) yeah, like that. So engage all of those five senses. That is to me, sensual living, orgasmic living, and mm, it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Delicious. Um, all right. I, before I ask kind of about how to work with you and, and where to find you online, I, I want to open up to anything else you might be feeling called to share right now. Is there anything else on your mind? No, I think that feels complete. I just 
want to say thank you and I'm so grateful for you and these are such beautiful conversations and maybe what I want to say is like thank you to anyone listening who is also doing your part in the world um you know I feel you as my community I hope that you can feel me as part of your community too and Leilani I just love your leadership and the way you show up in the world too so thank you oh thank you so much Anne I love you and the way you show up (laughs) so for everyone who's like I gotta connect with Anne now where shall I send them Yes. So I share the most on my Instagram, which is the Ann Nguyen, T-H-E-A-N-N-N-G-U-Y-E-N. And this year, what I've got is two offerings for leaders who would like to be coached by me in essentially creating their revolutionary businesses and practices, which is one-on-one coaching and also a mastermind which is called the pleasure mind so really learning how to build your legacy through pleasure and then I have my signature group coaching program which I'm revamping Leilani I'm making it better and don't worry you're gonna get access excellent (laughs) I can't wait (laughs) um uh, school of super pleasure which is a program that Leilani was in um is my sort of a to z sexual empowerment um self-love sexual reclamation group coaching program So all of my offerings um, you can find on my Instagram or my website, which is also theannwin.com. Okay. I will put links to your Instagram directly and to your website in our show notes so everybody can find their way to you. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for everything. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to hear how you feel about this one. So come to turningseason.com slash episode nine and leave a comment or a question. I'm always open to suggestions for who you would like to hear me interview next. On the full moon, you're going to hear from Claire Dunn, who is a writer and speaker, a barefoot explorer, and a rewilding facilitator in Australia. A conversation I just loved. We get into some dream work in that one too, so... I will see you on the full moon. Until then, thank you again for listening and for all the ways you play your part.